Again, to those who are worshiping with us through LiveGate Outreach TV, we want to say welcome. Thank you very much. God bless you. And those who also join us on uh, Buzzsprouts on, on iTunes. We truly value your inputs and uh, prayers and the testimonies that you send from time to time. We want to encourage you to keep doing that and to keep doing those things that God is laying on your heart. And by the special grace of God, as we are having our testimonies here, you will continue to receive yours as well in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. So we, we're talking about these entrepreneurs today. And it is so important that we see their importance in the different spheres of life that they help us. Today we are having new terminologies come into entrepreneurship. We are hearing about technopreneurs. These are now being restricted to those people who are advancing the course of te the technology revolution, the IT industry, and uh, like some of the people I've mentioned before, uh, social media uh, uh, proponents and those who are bringing about this business uh, changes. They are known as technopreneurs. Very recently, it, though it was used in a slightly sarcastic manner, but I found that it actually has sense. The people who created this next one I want to talk about, uh, they didn't mean it well. They, they, they were trying to use it to actually slight pastors. They call it pastorpreneurs. Praise the Lord. And pastorpreneurship is a term that has come to define the commercialization, as it were, of the gospel. But I want to put a twist to it today to say, you see, I used to be very, very upset when I saw that. How can they say pastors are making merchandise of God's kingdom? But the truth of the matter is that they may mean it in a bad way, but the truth is that pastors are actually entrepreneurs. They are, they are entrepreneurs. They are people who must run a business. It must be run as a business, otherwise there can't be the viability. And we must understand this. Now, church is a business. And I know some people will be scared in their seats now. Say, hey, Pastor, don't say that. <laughs> church is a business. The only problem we have is that it is not the business of man. It is the business of God. The problem we have is man is making church his business. And then that's where the problem comes. What did Jesus say when Joseph and Mary were looking for him at age 12 in the temple? We all know that, that story. We learned it in Bible, Sunday school as children. He said, why are you looking for me? Don't you know I must be about my father's what? My father's what? Business. 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 Jesus himself said it is a business. So the church is a business. The only problem is it is the business of the father. And if the church can understand that it's the business of the Father, and you and I are simply, whether you are a bishop or an apostle or a brother or a sister, whatever title you have in that business, you are simply an employee of the one who owns the business, it changes perspective. I believe the problem the body of Christ has today is because most, in, in the very unfortunate cases, uh, church leaders have taken such liberty to make that business become theirs. So the money that comes into the church and everything about the, the, the finances of the church plus their own money and everything is matched together into one whole. That is not God's intention whatsoever. The church business is God's business. And if we understand it as a business, the same way we respond to our earthly businesses, that we respond as directors of companies, as employees of companies, as heads of units, as workers in companies, to contribute our efforts to make the businesses we subscribe to or we are part of viable is the same way we will subscribe to the things of God so that the church business can continue to stand. 
We have biblical examples of entrepreneurs in many ways in the scripture. I'll just take you through some. All the fathers, our fathers in the faith, the patriarchs, we call them. Abraham was an entrepreneur. We read, read about him in Genesis chapter 13 verse 2. We don't have the time now. But the Bible says he was blessed in cattle. He was blessed in silver and gold. Those three items were very, very profitable commodities in their times. People traded cattle, people traded uh, 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 livestock, and people who had them in abundance always had servants to take care of them. And anytime you had servants, you also had wages paid to them, and the wages were also supporting their families. So Abraham was a very, very big-time entrepreneur. Isaac was one of the most daring entrepreneurs of his time. We read his story in Genesis chapter 26, verse 12 to verse 14. Particularly, that place talks about how Isaac sowed in the land that he was, where there was famine, but with God's wisdom, knowing where to sow, how to sow, and doing it right, the Bible says, in that same land, and he prospered because God blessed him. Hallelujah. I decree that God will continue to bless the ideas of your heart. In the name of Jesus, what you don't understand is that when God blesses you, you are detached from the macro economy. You are detached from everything that is happening whilst you are in it. The Bible says we are in this world, but we are not of this world. This is what makes it possible for a person to sow in the time of famine and yet reap a hundredfold because there is a blessing that is from outside the realm of the natural circumstances surrounding the seed of such a person. And so this is why when God gives you an idea, don't stay limited by the things that you are seeing around you. Many times an idea comes to your heart and the first thing that you see is that, no, it's not working. It can't work because there are so many things that are against it. If it is a godly idea and if it is something God is putting in your heart, I dare you to step out in faith to believe God and watch God take over in Jesus' name. If I was to reason out how I would be in ministry with everything I was doing by 2012, when God told me about a church plant late 2012 and then eventually started in 2013, if I was to try to calculate how I would have time, because I know, I know what ministry entails. I was born into ministry. I know exactly the demands. How could you sustain it on a week-to-week basis to be doing things like this? If I was to reason it that way, I would still be reasoning it out with God six years down the line. But as long as God brings it into your heart and says to you, it's time to move, you must go ahead and move. The Bible says, and Isaac sowed in that land and he prospered. Hallelujah. As you sow as God commands, so shall you prosper in Jesus' name. Verse 13 says, and he became wealthy, prosperous. The Bible says he became prosperous He continued to prosper. I want you to read that verse on your own. Write it down. Genesis chapter 26 verse 13. The Bible says, And he became prosperous and he continued to prosper until he became very prosperous. That is the blessing of God. In the land of famine. Hallelujah. This is how God will turn the story of somebody here today. The Lord who will breathe upon you ideas that are uncommon and unusual. The Lord who will give you ideas of business that will not stretch you, that will not take anything else out of you, but rather is putting so much more into you as you obey. That God will cause you to prosper by it in the name of Jesus. 
The Bible says because he became very wealthy in livestock, in flock, in herds, and also in silver and gold, just like his father. May the Lord continue to help us all in the name of Jesus. We can go on. There was Jacob. Of course, he was so blessed in the house of Laban. There was David. We read about David quite a lot. First Chronicles 29, he said, Of my own proper good of resources have I given to the things of God. First Chronicles 29. And I want you to read those scriptures for you to know that entrepreneurship did not start with Bill Gates. Entrepreneurship did not start with any human being. Not even John D. Rockefeller, who in his own case was a believer. Not even any of those people that we know and we've read about in history. There are great heroes of faith that we know about in our contemporary times that are big-time entrepreneurs. But what we know from scripture is that God has started the gift of entrepreneurship right from the foundation of the earth. Hallelujah. And so we must continue to celebrate that gift and allow God to raise more entrepreneurs from our midst in Jesus' name. We know about Paul in Acts chapter 20. I'm just giving you some examples. I've given you Old Testament, one other one. Jesus himself was a carpenter. Do you know that? At a point, Jesus worked as a carpenter. Do you know that? Yeah, Jesus worked as a carpenter, and I know that Jesus' business could not have failed. He only stopped because he wanted to go to the cross and finish the main assignment. If not today, we will still be buying the furniture that he made from uh, 2000 years. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's just by the side. But the truth of the matter is that entrepreneurship is so important. Paul was a man who was successful in ministry because he had this gift. Acts chapter 20, verse 33. The Bible says that Paul said to the people, he said, you all know, you all know that I have never coveted any material from any person whether anyone's silver or anyone's apparel. I've never coveted it. I've never met anyone secretly to say, please, can I have this, your clothes? He said, you all know that, it, verse 34, Acts 20, 34, he said, you all know that these hands of mine catered for my needs and for the needs of those around me. That is entrepreneurship. When God puts enough resources in your hand to cater for your need and you are able to still take out of it to cater for the needs of others, it is a gift that God is wanting you and I to operate in. We will be limited by the single sources of income that we have, as good as they are. But as many sources of income and investments that God can give you ideas to have, the more you will be able to be liberal and be able to do the things that God has truly called you to do. I pray that God will make that your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says we know. And then in verse 35, Acts 20, please write down Acts chapter 20, verse 33 to 35. In verse 35, the Bible says that he was now saying to them that I am walking like this so that you too can see the example. So that we are fulfilling what Jesus said that by laboring like this, we can support the need of the weak. We can be a blessing to others. Not everybody has the ability to be an entrepreneur and set up a business or set up, a, a give, put an idea together. Not everybody. But if God puts it in you, you rob a generation and a lot of people the opportunity to be able to have something that they can walk in. I have met many people many times and I say to them, but why are you not doing this? I go to a country and I see an opportunity. I say, why are you not doing this? And they say to me, you know, I just don't have the capacity. And I wish... I wish I was living in such countries because you can see clearly it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for, for something to be set up to be a blessing to other people. And may God continue to help us in this gift in Jesus' name. 
alongside lines, we, we also study about, we talk about business and financial experts, very linked to entrepreneurship as well. But their role is such that they help us to manage the financial aspect, financial viability of businesses. It is very important that we recognize what they do. Without their contributions, financial models and employment uh, business models would be unfeasible or would not be feasible and we will not be sustainable in those things. So they allow the financial viability and management. They also help the government in many cases to plan. That is why we have central governments, the central banks that support governments. In this country, we have the Bank of England. In America, they have the Federal Reserve. And so many countries have central banks that advise their governments and help to look at the monetary policies. Now, it is human beings that work in these places. Some of us just hear interest rates gone up, interest rates come down, and that's all we just hear in the news. There are people who take time to look at computer models, use their experience, and use everything they can with the knowledge that God has given them to study trends and, and, and put to a proposal together that will allow something that would allow the economy to go in a direction that will not cause people too much pain or too much harm. They are the people who make sure that when things go wrong, like we had very recently in 2008, the financial bubble, uh, when such things go wrong, that not too many people are affected by it. These are gifts. You and I may not be able to sit down and understand fiscal policies in those ways, but these people are gifted, especially like that. I am not a politician, but I respect, I must say, I respect the gift of God in the person of uh, uh, our own uh, ex-Prime Minister Gordon Brown in this regard. He's a very, very talented economist. There is no doubt about it. One of the best in our generation. We may not appreciate him, and I'm not making any routine for him. He doesn't know me whatsoever. But I've studied his life. I've listened to him many times, and I've seen the way he speaks and how he handles these matters. And I, when you see such people, you know that it's not ordinary. It's not ordinary. For, for many years the, in, in, the, in the States, in the late 90s, the Americans had Alan Greenspan, one of the best Federal Reserve governors that ever was. And we must continue to find that the way these people operate is such that they are operating by gifts that allow them to understand the finances and the systems of money and monetary terms that make it possible for things to happen so that people do not unnecessarily suffer. So we celebrate them as well. More Christians should be involved in banking. More Christians should be involved in the financial sectors, financial advisors, tax advisors, mortgage advisors. More Christians should be involved in stock broke, uh, broke, being stockbrokers, insurance brokers, and other similar uh, professions as we have in our time. Again, we have biblical examples. Many times in the book, in the New Testament, the Bible will say Jesus met with tax collectors. The likes of Matthew, Zacchaeus, were people who were tax collectors. They were people who were functioning under this particular gift. And when Jesus came, one of the first things he did, when he called down Zacchaeus and he took him home and he sat with other tax collectors, one of the first things he did was to change their mindset. Because like I said to you, the gift they have is from God, but the devil had perverted it so much. Zacchaeus, as short as he was, had defrauded so many people until God called him. And then the day God spoke to him and he got, he quickly packed all the money and brought it out as everybody have ever stolen money from. 
Because this is what God wants. And this is why we as believers should not be taking the back seat. We are the ones that must shine the light in these professions. We are the ones that must tell the people who see that they can have access to people's accounts and just steal a penny from one billion accounts every day and make a massive fortune. And tell them, no, you don't do that. Because even though nobody might pick this thing up, God is watching. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So God wants us to be more of those. We cannot go through this without talking about the gift of God in the man called Joseph. This was the ability, one of the things that God put in Joseph. Many times when we remember Joseph, we remember that he was a a, a great man that could interpret dreams and he became prime minister. But what really made him become prime minister is this very gift. This very gift of financial resource management that God gave him supernaturally. We never read that we never heard that Moses went to the University of Egypt or any university whatsoever to learn about financial management. But by heavenly download, God gave him a blueprint that saved the nation and saved the world from the effects of famine. Genesis chapter 41, that one we will read. Genesis chapter 41 from verse 29. Look at what Joseph said to Pharaoh. This was after Pharaoh's dream. He saw seven years, seven uh, uh, cattle, you know the story, the seven thin ones ate up the seven fat ones, and then the seven ears of corn, the bad ones also destroyed the good ones, and the seven, Joseph was now telling Pharaoh about the dream. Let's read together verse 29. He said what? Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, seven years of famine will arise and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt and the famine will do what? Deplete the land. Now go straight to verse 33. It says, Now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over what? The land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years. Somebody say financial management. And then let's read verse 35. He said, and let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Verse 36, don't get tired, read with me. Then that food shall be as a reserve. So today we talk about reserves. We talk about government reserves, don't we? We talk about the Federal Reserve. We talk about government reserve. It is not new. This is biblical. This is from Joseph's wisdom. Hallelujah. Let's start again. Then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. Hallelujah. This is financial management in excellence. Financial management by supernatural endowment, displayed by one man who has at that point, was actually a prisoner. Of course, he didn't do anything wrong to go to prison, but we know he was not any specially trained person. We must understand that if God gave the wisdom to Joseph and he saved Egypt and he saved the nations of the world, so much so that they could have reserve and they could also make money from the famine that was coming, but also offering people the opportunity, 
we must celebrate that gift as he continues to give it today. Many of us must understand that the people who work in planning, the people who advise, the people who make it happen for uh, uh, the children, the, the people of the world generally, to be able to have access to finances and not have economies run down are gifts from God. We have seen cases of countries where in many cases, we have seen cases of countries in many cases where there are people who have not, there are leaders who have not allowed these people to use their gifts well. And we have seen those economies become a problem. We have seen where economies become so much of a problem that even to buy a loaf of bread requires so much of millions of the currency of such countries. I don't want to mention any country, but this is the reality we have seen. Because such leaders have refused to acknowledge the place of financial experts that can, like Joseph, know the time of plenty and save and, 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 and target and plan for the cycle of famine that always happens in every nation, in every time. Population explosions that happen and things that change the dynamics of the economies of countries. These people are gifted to see it. They can forecast. Joseph was just interpreting a dream. And from that dream, everything looked normal at that point in time. But from that dream, he could see that there was a plentiful time coming up. And that plentiful time would be seven years. And if without the forecast of understanding that there was going to be a time of famine of another seven years, after the seven of plenty, there would have been a lack of management in place for the first seven years. And this should also teach us a lesson as people of God. We must know how to put away. There is ne- if you are waiting for the time that you will have so much of overflow that you don't save anything whatsoever, then you may be surprised that such times don't usually come. Now, I know that things are tough enough. Many people are, are just about getting to the zero level just about enough. But as soon as you have the opportunity to put away, and when I say put away, I mean save, have something you save. Because there is always wisdom in having savings. An organization must have savings. In this church, we have reserves. And we only draw on it for any reason whatsoever when it has to be that we have to draw the reserves. Every organization must have a reserve to prepare for a time when things may not be as you expected it to be. Hallelujah. This is very important. And whatever you can do to do that, please make sure you do so. If you are a person that puts money in a savings account and the next day you go to that same account to remove it, you are not helping yourself. (laughs) You are not helping yourself. You will do like you do your direct debits to BT and all these people who who take your money every month. You will do a direct debit to an account that you don't have access to. That's how you save. So when the money goes, it goes somewhere and you have told them that you don't want to touch it for five years. That's how you say. When you call them at year two, they'll say, sorry, we can't give you. But you say, it's my money. You'll say, oh, sorry, that's the agreement. <laughs> but if you put it in that one that is online banking, is a savings current. <laughs> and you are just plus current plus savings. <laughs> you are not happy yourself. You have to take it. And then if you are a couple, you see, by the grace of God, couples should understand each other. Usually, one person is better at saving. Have you noticed? If the person, that is, whether it's the man or the woman, it doesn't matter. God knows how he does it. In some cases, it's the man. In some cases, it's the woman. 
If it's the woman that is better at saving, let her manage the finances. Don't say, I'm the man. I must manage. You don't know how to save. Give the money to her. Let her manage. If the man is the one that is better at saving, let him manage it. Let him manage it. And there's a particular couple I wanted to talk to you about, but I will not tell you <laughs> because I am very involved with that couple. Praise the Lord. So I, I, this is the thing. Know how you manage things. Personally, as a person myself, if I decide that this 1,000 pounds, just for sake of talking something, is in this account, and I'm not going to touch it till December, even if the heaven is falling to the sky, to the ground, I won't touch it. That is how I was raised. Praise the Lord. But not everybody has that gift. Some people will say they are not going to touch it, but as soon as they are looking at it like this, they are touching it. So look at your strength and leverage it. Hallelujah. May God continue to help us. Joseph said, the reserve for the land must be for seven years. This is the gift that is in financial experts. They are able to help us to preserve so that we don't run into trouble. May God continue to help us in Jesus' name. I know that you are coming to a level where you will not even know how much is in your account. I say you will come to a level where you will not even know how much is in your account. In the name of Jesus. They will say to you that that thing is going to cost 500 and something pounds. And you say, okay, I will pay you tomorrow. And you are not even thinking twice. Because the amount of money in your account is so much that it's not issue of 500 pounds. I said, that will be your portion in the name of Jesus. You can come to it. It just comes by you believing God for this same wisdom that came to jo- Joseph. And as many that God is empowering to be entrepreneurs. And it shall be your portion in Jesus' name. I want to close this by just quickly telling us three things that are godly traits of entrepreneurs and financial experts. Three things, very quickly. There are so many things. I want to believe that you understand the place of work, the place of diligence, the place of hard work, the place of study, the place of knowing the business. All that is taken as a given. But there are three things that these people do that God, that helps God to commit. When you are in this kind of gifting or when you want to grow in this kind of gifting. The first thing is you must have a reverence for God. Joseph said, find a man. Joseph did not put himself forward to say, I am the person. He said, find a man. Because he said, it is God that gave that wisdom. It's God that gave that dream. And it is the same God that can give the wisdom to manage it. A reverence for God is what we must have. Those of you watching by LiveGate Outreach TV or listening to the audio, we read from Deuteronomy chapter 8 from verse 6 to verse 18 earlier on in the, in the service, and that was our scriptural reading. Now we're going to read for this reverence for God, Deuteronomy 8, the very last verse we read, verse 18. Let's read it together. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Proverbs chapter 3. It is important that we keep remembering. If we want to be a successful entrepreneur, a successful business person that God commits more ideas to and you, you are able to handle finances very well, you must be somebody who has due reverence for God. Proverbs chapter 3. Do we have Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9? Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 is another scripture that tells us that we must continue to honor God. Honor God. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9. Thank you. Let's read together. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Verse 10. Do we have verse 10? 
Verse 10 says, So shall your barns be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. That is how God continues to multiply. When you honor the Lord, many people do not understand this principle. I said it briefly a couple of weeks ago. You see, if you cannot commit from whatever you have, you cannot commit something to God, and you are expecting for multiples to come, then you may find yourself limited at a level that is not exactly where you ought to be for a long time. The Bible says, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. It shows that as God is blessing you, don't wait until it is bigger. Just take from that thing, honor the Lord. Say, I bring this. This is why we still encourage tithing. The concept of tithing is well established in the Old Testament. It's not a mandatory requirement in the New Testament, but it is a principle of scripture that works. And I don't see why people have been so fussy about this. If you have any principle of scripture that works, we all say in seed time, we should sow and we reap. Is that not an Old Testament principle? So why are we making a fuss of it? If we have a principle that works, the Bible says all scripture is given by God and is profitable. Someone say profitable. Now, when Paul was writing that very verse, now we know that this means Genesis to Revelation, of course, in our time. But when Paul was writing that very verse to Timothy, what did they have? They didn't have the New Testament. The same Paul's letter to Timothy was not written at that time for everybody to be reading. How many people understand what I'm talking about? So everything in the Old Testament is a shadow and a type of what is in the New so when the Bible says, honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of your increase, you must understand that even though this looks like an Old Testament advice, it's a principle of scripture that has eternal value. When you commit to God from the things that he's giving you, he grows your business. He grows your ideas. He increases your capacity. He helps you to see how you can do more. Very recently, I saw how easy I can walk across nations. I saw it first in 2006 in a particular way. I did some business models across nations. It worked, and I kept on going that way. And then somehow that was not moving again. Then very recently, God gave me another idea. How I can collaborate with people 6,000 miles away, and we do business together and make money. Praise the Lord. As you, the money comes, God gives you ideas. As you put it in the house of God or the things of God, God gives you more ideas. He gives you more capacity. He protects your ideas. A lot of people do not understand this principle. And the people of the world are even doing it better. The people of the world who don't know God know how to take their money and put it in the things that matter to God. Why do you think Bill Gates is using billions of, of, of dollars to fight malaria in, uh, in, in Africa and HIV all over the place? Because the more he's doing it, the more the thing is yielding. The more he's doing it, people think he's just CSR. What is CSR? Corporate social responsibility. That that's what he's doing. No, no, no. He recognizes that the more I am giving this thing out to things that is helping to alleviate poverty and helping people to come out of diseases and sickness, the more I can see, despite Bill Gates has been on the scene for more than 30 years as a multi-billionaire, despite the coming of the, of the newer chaps into the scene, he's still there as a voice. He has retired from MD of Microsoft for how many years? Over 15 years. 
but it's still one of the wealthiest men on earth. Because it's a principle that unfortunately is given by God to be embraced by the children of God. But unfortunately, not even the children of God embrace it as much. So when you have a salary and you cannot tithe from it, what you are saying is, Lord, I, I can't see myself rising beyond this level. You bring it, you do it, and you trust God. The Bible says, look at verse 10. So your bounce, who fills the bounce? It's God. So your bounce will be filled with plenty and your vat will overflow with new wine. Then you will see God move on your behalf in places that you could not have imagined. I pray God continues to give us understanding in these matters. In the name of Jesus. Very linked to the first one, reverence for God, is philanthropy. Philanthropy. This is directly doing things that impact other people. Less fortunate people. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 17. The Bible says, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. And God himself will pay back what he has given. God will pay back whatever you give as you give to the poor and less privileged. In the name of Jesus. These are not biblical, these are not um, uh, business concepts that people would teach you. When you go for business meetings and business seminars, people will tell you about investments, very correct. People will tell you about cash flow management, very correct. People will tell you about risks and things like that, very correct. But you see, there are spiritual laws that govern every business and helps entrepreneurs to actually move from one level of growth, to start as entrepreneurs in the first instance, and to move from one level of entrepreneurship to the other. There are spiritual principles like this one. The Bible says if you have pity on the poor, you lend to the Lord. The poor is not always that man who is homeless and is on the street. He is and should be helped. But there are many other poor people. There are less privileged people. There are widows. There are people who do not have as much opportunity as you have. There are people who you just see and you be a blessing to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know many times when you sow a seed, you never know when it can come back. You never know. The day in 1992 when I took my wife to our hometown and uh, we wanted to meet our parents to say that we were planning that we would get married. When I saw my father-in-law, the first thing he said to me is, you know, I'm so glad. I said, what is that, sir? He said, I'm so, so glad that you are the one marrying my daughter. And then he told me a story of how my father gave him something very small that helped him to go into the next level of school at that time. And that was about... 30, almost 40 years before the time we eventually came together. And he said to me, so I have no dowry to collect from you. Praise the Lord. Of course, I still paid. I paid for my wife. Don't think I took her free. <laughs> I paid for her. But he said, I have nothing to collect from you. He said, anything you are going to pay here is because the families will be demanding. He said, I have nothing to collect from you. Your father was a blessing to me many years ago. So you never know. The Bible says when you have pity on somebody, I don't want to just see you use the word poor because it at times make it look like just anybody that has a need, anywhere there is a need, when you pity the person, you lend to the Lord. But when life is all about me, myself, and I, there's a particular sister here, there's a particular lady here, if you just mention that something needs to be done, many times, except it is impossible, she'll just tell you it's done, it's done. And you see, God will continue to bless such persons because everything that has to do with making things happen that will be a blessing to somebody is like lending to the Lord and he will pay back. I say God will pay back. Whatever you give, as you give like this, God will pay back in the name of Jesus.
I know you came to hear about entrepreneurs, but I'm saying this to you to know how you can be an entrepreneur. How you can become, you may not see yourself as an entrepreneur today because you think, I'm just earning a salary that I'm doing in that, business, in that work. But God knows that you have the potential to be an entrepreneur. And today, God will take you higher and further in the name of Jesus. The final thing about them is that they are risk takers. They are risk takers. You must be a person of faith. We mentioned this in our talk last week about builders. You must be a person of faith. You must know how to take risks. Believers are usually afraid to take risks. We never like living comfort zones. And please, I'm saying this very carefully, very, very carefully. A lot of people have done some very daft things. That's not what I'm talking about. We must know how to leave some comfort zones because of the future. Make some sacrifices, make some steps that may look as if it could cost you your life if God is in it. Make those steps because they are there for you to take so that you can move to your next level. I pray that as God speaks to you about such things, you will take those steps and God will cause you to prosper by them. You will not sink by them in the name of Jesus. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 4. Many people who started businesses today did not start because everything was conducive. They started by taking a risk. Some left their jobs some did it on top of their jobs. Some are still doing it on top of their jobs. Some did it when everybody said it can't work. But God has always honored himself. Look at verse 4, Ecclesiastes 11. He said, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not what? reap. Every time you are looking at physical circumstances, you will not sow. It's just like somebody who travels to this country now, from a, a tropical country where it hardly rains. And every day he's looking outside saying, I will go outside the day the sun is very bright and heavy. You know, he might sit in the house for one week, especially this kind of season. <laughs> He'll be surprised or he's waiting for the rain to stop. And that rain, that, you know that kind of rain that doesn't stop. He said, I want to go out, but I'm waiting for the rain to stop. Ah, the rain, this rain, it doesn't stop like that. <laughs> the Bible says, as you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. Who told you that you will always be able to understand everything when God gives you? When God said to me, step into ministry, I did not wait to understand everything. Up to now, I still don't understand everything. But as I'm going, I'm hearing from him. As you move, he who knows everything will tell you the next step. As you move, he who knows everything will tell you the next step. The Bible says in the morning, thank you, verse 6, in the morning sow your seed and in the evening do not withhold your hand for you do not know which one will prosper, either this or that or whether both are like. This is why it's good to look for, trust God to create multiple sources of income. When you have multiple sources of income, God helps you in one way, God helps you in the other way. This one is not doing well now. You've invested in property. Property is not, they're losing value and things, but you have other forms of income that continues to pick up. This is how it is. And as you live like that, what God puts into your life is the opportunity for many things to come in. So take time, pray and say, Lord, I am willing to do anything you want me to do. Inspire me. And then when he inspires you, don't hold back. Get every advice you can get, but don't listen to too many people. Especially people who are negative. The moment you sit with somebody and the first thing they tell you is impossible. Just say thank you very much. Look for the person who tells you it is possible, it may be challenging. That's what you need to hear. The one, if you meet impossible one, impossible two, 
By the third person, you have, all your ideas have vanished. Because <laughs> when God showed me this building and I was on that side of the road and he said, look at that building, is available. I know that if I open my mouth to tell people, the first thing I will hear is, is impossible. Nobody starts a church by taking a building this size. Nobody. I've never seen it myself. Everybody starts in their living room or one corner shop and then they move as God helps them. And God said, this mighty thing is, impos- is, is there, is available. I told my wife, I said, tell nobody tell nobody, just get this person, get that person, go and meet. Because I was flying out of the country. I said, go and meet the landlord and tell them we are taking it. He said, how much did they put? I said, I don't know how much it is. And God saw my heart. I don't know whether it was 100,000, whether it was 10,000. I have no idea. But God said, look at that building. It is available. And from that time, I did not argue at all. And the rest is history. And he told me very recently, he said, son, the same way you moved into this building, and you are leasing it stresslessly. It's the same way you will buy it stresslessly. In the name of Jesus. That's how you do it. You keep daring God. What I had never given in my life at a point, at a, at, to one project at a time, is what by the grace of God we have done so far in this place. By the grace of God, I believe God that God is going to be raising people in this place just as he has promised. And every one of us must realize that he is raising us so that we can be the people that will change the course of many things in this life. And the Lord will help us all in Jesus' name. I want you to rise to your feet this morning. You are going to talk to God. Well.